Hello there. Welcome to Automation Impact Podcast. My name is Edward Slopetsky. I'm UiPath MVP and founder of Active Automation. In this podcast, together with UiPath Most Valuable Professionals and other guests, we are sharing our experience and best practices in intelligent automation. To learn more about the podcast, visit automationimpact.io. There, I also post short summaries for each episode. Also, you can contribute to the development of this podcast by subscribing and sharing it with your colleagues, friends, and community. Let's learn and grow together. Enjoy listening. Hello, everyone. Today, we are discussing Agile as a delivery methodology together with Tracy Dixon, who is Senior Manager and RPN Project Manager at Centric Consulting Miami. She is based in Jacksonville, Florida, and she is UiPath Most Valuable uh, Professional. Tracy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Maybe for the very beginning, you give us and our audience a short background about yourself, like how did you start with automation and what brought you to this exciting journey? Sure. So I I have a computer science degree in information systems. I I started out as a programmer um, a a while back in Visual Basic, um, and then I moved into project management. I always automated things in office just to really to help myself as a a project manager. Um, Always wanted to do things more efficiently. And so I was always looking for really a tool to, to do those things better. I looked at macro recorders, just was always, you know, thought there had to be something more than, than office automation. And so a few years ago found UiPath and, and thought like, ah, this is what I've been searching for. And so uh, that's where my RPA journey began back in 2018. And uh, I've been, you know, all about RPA ever since. So your RPA journey started directly with UiPath, right? It did. It did. Yes. With the Academy. And uh, I just dove deep into that and started automating things for myself since that point, for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned automation in the early days and then you moved to a project management. With this move, do you still code? Do you still program? Do you still develop also robots or for yourself as well as for a customer. So maybe you can describe what are you currently doing and what percent in what percentage you are still managing the projects and if you are coding anyhow. So I I do I wear both hats. I can be the sole technologist. I actually after I I first learned UiPath, I was the sole technologist 100% of the time for the better part of that next year. Uh, I can wear both hats. Uh, so it just depends. Uh, just depends on the client situation and the, the projects that we're on. I have been the RPA architect. Um, I have currently for the past few months, I've been on several project management, um, focused projects. Sometimes I've got several projects, um, at the same time where I, I'm wearing the architect hat in an RPA role. So it just happens to, to depend on what the, the need is. We do a lot of custom projects. Um, so for the first year or so thereafter, it was really devoted to, to exclusive RPA. Got it. And out of all the roles you have mentioned, what what's your preferred one or what is the, the role you would enjoy most if, if you take away all the, I don't know, the 
customer expectations as well as company expectations if you are given the, the whole day doing something like one thing what would it be would you uh, code would you do the architecture stuff or you would uh, have fun with the project management so if i had to to pick i would probably be doing rpa architecture with something really new and innovative where we're you know thinking about new things doing something really new and exciting um getting to to do something on the cutting edge that that's the fun stuff getting to do something amazing that um people haven't done before getting to think about totally new stuff got it got it and talking of agile talking of our today's topic when was the first time you heard that like and and how did you first experience agile so what what was your first impression of it so Back in 2004, uh, the the concept of standing up to do meetings, really short 15-minute meetings was introduced at the company that I was working for, um, which was, and I was a project manager at the time and thought that that's weird. There were a bunch of um, sticky notes on the wall and we were introduced to the scrum philosophy way back then and thought, wow, that's that's really kind of strange and and weird so it's it's been quite a while um where we were introduced just to, to agile as part of a, a software development team how how and if it evolved since then since 2004 so we have over 15 years since then was the methodology changing or it it is as it was 15 years ago well, the, the basic philosophy is the same. There's the, the core principles are the same as they were. They came out in 2001 and they're still the same as they were. The, those have not changed. What has changed, uh, has been the, the maturity of how to scale agile. So the, the frameworks on how to, to grow with size and those have become more developed. They really didn't exist at least my knowledge of them definitely didn't exist back then on how to 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 do that at with a sizable team versus a, a smaller team that for sure at least to me is different um and i guess just the you know more details around the the philosophies um how to to handle it without everyone being in the same room with a small team those types of things um international teams those have been more fleshed out and developed yeah, and especially now in COVID times, I think it is very actual <laughs> topic <laughs> nowadays, sure. right? When even if you are located in the same city, not always you can go and see each other or, or, or boot a meeting room or something like that. So now it is as actual as never before. All right, and maybe let's try to define it together for those listeners who are who are hearing hearing it for the first time, even if it is hard to imagine, considering like how buzzy this word of agile was yeah uh, and there are a lot of stereotypes about about the agile itself and what it is and what what it's not like there should be a small team it is always failing and and, and ma ma many different things which uh some of them are right and some of them are wrong um applying to agile but before jumping there let's define what is agile and what makes it different to other delivery methodologies and to be particular to waterfall so agile is 
different than uh, you might hear waterfall predictive. Um, so agile these days uh, in project management terms, you might hear also called adaptive. It is not the same as Scrum. Um, Scrum is a flavor of agile. Um, there are a number of other flavors that you don't hear as often. Um, extreme programming is one. Uh, there are a lot of others that you, you really don't hear very often at all. Feature-driven development is another. Uh, and there are a good four or five other types of agile philosophies. What they really mean is that they're, they're iterative, they're cyclical, um, where old style of, of software development was that you you sit together and you think about how things are going to be done in advance. You, you lay out the scope and time and cost and you think through the requirements in advance all at once. You lay out the vision for how it will all happen at one time. Um, where an agile philosophy you do that in cycles. You don't have to think through everything in advance. You think through some, just enough. Uh, you get going on a bit of it, and then you have your your customer or some surrogate of a customer take a look, check in to see if you're on the right track. They give you some feedback, and then you take that feedback, incorporate it, and then you do a bit more. And you take another cycle of that. Uh, they inspect it, and you repeat that cycle again and again. So instead of thinking through all of it, you think through a bit and get feedback and incorporate that and repeat again and again. So you don't have to, to plan all of it, but plan just a bit of it. Um, and that way, instead of going down a long path where you may or may not be doing the right thing, you've gone down a small bit of the path and that way you fail a lot faster um, if you are going down the wrong path instead of potentially going down a, a very long path. And then you find out you may have not hit the mark. Yeah. And now I'll try to describe it in two extremes. So on the one hand, you have, let's say, the development team and guys who are just saying, let's start doing it. And on the way, on while doing, we'll find out. Yeah? So we will definitely discover new issues. We'll discover new findings as well as some exciting things. And let us start doing. And then we will upgrade and inform you how it is uh, how it is going while developing. And on the other hand, I see more conservative approach when, and, and we are still quite often meeting it in the business, when we see that we will, the customer says, or even internally the management says that we give you a budget only if we know how much it will cost us, how long it will take, what everything it will bring, you know, how many people you need to in and involved, etc., etc. And here I have, a, I see two completely different mindsets, and I'm curious how do you observe it in 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 your business? Like how? open uh, management and a companies to, to this approach of, as you describe, adaptive when we start and then somehow we adapt and see how it goes. How open people are, especially in decision-making positions. Right. Well, it, it doesn't mean, you know, wild, wild west. It doesn't mean a blank check. So so th there still can be constraints. It doesn't mean that, you know, here you go, you, you can take years. It's okay to say, you know, we'll iterate until September or we will, we're still going to produce something by the end of the year. We'll see what we can get produced during that time, that type of thing. So it doesn't have to mean that 
um, you know, there's no end date. So, so there can still be limits. I know that it's a, a definitely a misconception that a lot of uh, leadership folks do get a little nervous that they, it, it can go on forever, or that there's no constraint and that it will never get done, those types of things. And so they have to be able to, to put trust that there is a good business representative that knows what the highest value is to the end consumer, that they have a good steering wheel. They are going to, to lead the, the ship, that they're going to pick what is of most value um, and that they will adapt to what is at most value at the time. Their co- competitors could pivot at any time. If they've got a good product manager in place, then they should be able to, to pivot very quickly, perhaps even before their competitors, if they have that right person um, steering the ship, so to speak. So um, it could be a real advantage if they can put their trust in that right person um, or they can adapt very quickly uh, even before others to the, the right things. Um, if they can't, it, they could be very slow and, and behind their competitors. It can be a real disadvantage. So the, the, the negative to that is uh, they can be very slow and very behind others and not moving quickly at all and, and then lose significant market share. Yeah. Yeah. So also it is important to highlight here that agile enables you to act faster, right? So maybe with less prerequisites, less conservative, but agile enables you to act faster. And this is one of the characteristic of it. Another is you mentioned iterations. I have just one question to, to these iterations. Do you have some standard duration for iterations or you try to adapt it to business, to project, to reporting lifecycle, etc.? Do you have some standard iteration duration in mind? They typically are between one and four weeks. So not long. You don't want to go six months before you get feedback. So that the idea is that uh, you're getting feedback quickly. The project itself may not necessarily be faster. However, it will be more on target with what the, the end user had in mind. So the idea is that you, you fail faster. You put something in front of that customer faster. They are able to go, Oh, that's not quite what I had in mind. It should be this, that whatever you end up producing is much more of much higher value to them than what you would have produced otherwise. Um, you get whatever they wanted to them um, with a much higher value than they would have had otherwise. So it's not necessarily that, you know, you would have produced it in October and now it will be September. It's not necessarily that uh, about the end date, but what you will be giving them is of much more use to them in the end. And what what are the factors which make you decide if it is like one week iteration or two, three, up to four weeks iteration. So is it more depends on the business or you still have some metrics how you define, okay, for this project, we would go with two weeks iteration or or one week iteration or four week iteration. So some of that is team culture. Some of it is about what can be produced in a week. If you can't meaningfully produce something substantial in a week that the, the customer can react to, um, where you can configure something properly in a week and have working deliverable differences in a week, then a week is, is probably not appropriate. So you probably see more often two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Um, you probably 
I would recommend not doing that unless it needs to be four weeks because the, the goal each time is to have working software. It needs to be fully working in good order where you can demonstrate something to that customer. So the shortest cycle where you can have fully functional, you know, features given to that customer. So it, it, part of it just depends on whatever tool, how difficult it is to, to put features into that tool. Um, but you generally want to have, you know, tiny chunks, um, of functionality, that type of thing. So part of it's just that whatever technology might be in use and how, how difficult it is to add features with that given technology. Got it. So actually you define it by also understanding if there is a possibility within the one iteration to deliver minimal unit, minimal uh, product, actually, which can be already acting independently or be a quite significant piece of the whole whole project. So by that you, you, can, you can see, for example, that within one week you can build, I don't know, uh, three or four components which can run independently, it is, then you would go even with one week iteration. And what I understand from what you explain is that you rarely go for another extreme for four weeks iteration because you want to get this feedback as, as frequent as possible and as early as possible, right? Right. You want each item uh, to be, you know, singular um, for sure, where it can be demonstrated independently um, if possible. And the team should be deciding. So it's not something where management decides how long the, the, the sprints are, the, the iterations are. It's, it's something the team should be self-managed. So the, the team decides this together. And the team is relatively small, typically less than 10 people. So the, the team together decides uh, how long is appropriate, how long they feel that they can not only create this, but test it together how long they feel that they can have a solid piece of functionality that they feel comfortable demonstrating to that customer, um, given that time frame, what they feel comfortable with. Got so, it. And it, and here we're getting to, to to the next question. Uh, one of the one of the criteria is iteration, and another you just mentioned about the team size. So is it somehow? Uh, th there are the stereotypes that Agile is about, I don't know, two or three developers somewhere in garage doing something. And then question to you is, is team size one of the criteria of Agile as well? That, for example, the team is usually not larger than, I don't know, six people or three people, or, or, or it is more as a stereotype. So there are general guidelines. So the, the Scrum methodology in particular, I believe that what they've, got written is uh, six plus or minus three. So, so typically less than 10 people, including those that are testing that those are general guidelines. I don't know that it's, you know, a hard and fast rule that, you know, it can't be agile if it's 10 people. Um, however, they do want to keep it to, to smaller teams um, for sure. So, so you're building small pieces of functionality. Um, you want it to generally be focused on on small things that are, are testable, the, the smaller it is, that the quicker that you can move on, that the easier it is to track, the easier it is for you to move to the next item and so on. Um, so it, it's not necessarily, you know, a 100% hard and fast rule. And Agile, you know, it, the rules are not made for them to be 100% followed like a checklist. It, it's more about the philosophy. As long as the philosophy is adhered to, that is always more important than checking a box on a checklist. Got it. And while having this discussion, I think that we already listed 
quite some benefits of, of this methodology. But maybe once again, can you name what are the main benefits of Agile? Why companies should consider going Agile while implementing some software? So, so we've mentioned a few times faster feedback uh, from customers. You have a typically some type of product manager or business um, oriented person that uh, either is a, a customer or is a surrogate for a customer that can provide feedback quickly. Um, easy adaptation to, to change. So old system of doing software, you hear about a, a change request, everyone cried, it was terrible, you did, you know, the forms and that was not a good thing. With the agile methodologies, change is expected and welcomed. Um, you adapt to change, you want change, you know that change is coming. So you want change to occur, totally different philosophy where you, you know what's going to happen either methodology this time it's actually embraced with the agile methodologies you find out about problems a lot earlier with waterfall you don't necessarily know that the problems exist because you haven't shown your customers the product um, in these philosophies you're showing product constantly where they have the opportunity to to see whatever it is that you're building and say oh oh no that's not what we had this is not what we wanted this is not what we had in mind at all uh, so so they have that opportunity and to give feedback um, with the agile methodologies as well there there are a lot of different pieces um, and the creation of a backlog which is just a list of a number of items um, that business person that um, product owner is typically the name can then look at that um, list of items and prioritize what is of most value um, to that business unit where they can choose and, and rank what is of most importance. And that can change at any time. They have regular meetings. So uh, this week they can rank what's most critical and the team work on that. Uh, a week or two later, um, based on the timing of the cycle, they can reprioritize. It, it doesn't have to be forever. It's not a, a one-time thing. So they have that flexibility to do that and to, to change priority at any time. And it's expected because things change. It competitor could have done something significant last week that totally changes your whole world. That's the adaptability and the flexibility because business changes and things change and, and COVID could have happened last week. And now your whole world is a completely different thing and your priorities are completely different. So that that's the flexibility of uh, adaptive methodologies like this. Um, so also that what we talked about, the, the customer sees the product, the, they can put their eyes on it. They can imagine it where in the waterfall methodologies without being able to look at it, customers just couldn't, they can't imagine what is going to be produced, and it's a whole different world when they can actually see it. Um, they can then go beyond uh, and add things to it, or you know, see it in a different way, or um, then perhaps give different requirements, or adjust, or say, "Oh, well, yes, I did ask for that, but but that's not what I really wanted." And no, then you know, a, a whole lot faster. So those are just a, a few of the benefits for sure. And especially when when speaking about this, seeing the early result, I always, whenever you start the RPA project, you run those RPA people awareness sessions when you get, um, you are introducing robots to a people, right? And 
you then encourage people to submit some ideas. And usually people like those enthusiastic, they're bringing some ideas in place and, 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 and you form the initial backlog. But the results after running the first robot in company or after running first few robots in the company is much different when people are not hearing it about, as, as a theory and they, they are not... Um, just seeing that, okay, in other company we were automating SAP, where in this company they are not using SAP at all or Salesforce or any other technology, where it is all it is always helping a lot when you have a robot running in-premise, even if it is not the, the, the biggest one, not with the highest saving, but you have the f- first small piece of technology in-house, what enables imagination it made it enables imagination of the customer enables imagination of your smes business analysts they're not speaking about some virtual product which you will see in two three five months but they already see the result after one or two weeks what triggers always new ideas whenever one one colleague in the department has already a robot capable of doing that type of job in quotation marks all the other colleagues around they're starting to see it and having a new ideas of what else robot could do for the, for them, yeah. So this is another advantage of of agile that it makes technology and makes the the, the whole development visible to people, so they know that it is somewhere next to you, but not something what in three years would somehow hit the business and no one knows in if in good or bad way. Right, that's exactly right. It it becomes real, and then they build their knowledge on that little real piece, and, and suddenly it, it just it gets them going where they can. They then have something to build on, and it makes the the rest of the requirements a whole lot more real. Yeah, you mentioned also that the methodology itself is change friendly, or you expect changes, right? And you expect this reprioritization, change requests, and 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 many other things, but. What about changes within the iteration? I know, and maybe this is my stereotype thinking and, and, and not the best knowledge of the of the methodology, but as far as I know, whenever you define the iteration, usually you don't allow to, to apply any changes within the iteration. So you allow customer or whoever, the stakeholder, to bring other pieces into a backlog. You allow them to reprioritize and say that now, this piece is the highest priority and as soon as you finish the iteration you go with that one but what about changes within the iteration is it possible so we do typically try to limit those so so say the uh, a given item if there are new requirements found those are normally added to the backlog for next time um so you know given item we realize oh we we need some additional features added on, on this item that we didn't realize were needed, those would be added to the backlog and they could certainly be added to the next iteration. Um, if it is, say, the, you know, the developer uh, estimated a given item and uh, thought it would be, you know, two points and it's three points, so points is, is the way that uh, Agile items are, are typically estimated um, as a representation of how long something is. That is typically expected to be something that the team would cover. Um, so, so that is something that the, the team did make that commitment that the team would, would huddle together and, and live up to that commitment. So, um, the, the team would step up and perhaps work the extra hours to, to cover that type of thing. But it is expected that, uh, you know, they committed to, to covering a given item and the requirements given for that item that 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 is 
lived up to that that type of thing. But if there are new ones, then then those would be covered in a, another iteration. And while developing, especially if now we are getting a little bit closer to RPA, while let's say that you have a two weeks iteration, you're developing your solution, which consists of many modules, etc. And customer in the, in the middle of iteration, let's say like the fifth day, what is right exactly the middle of, of, of your development, realize that some steps are, are completely different, but you still have a goal to accomplish something by, by end of this iteration. Would you just park those components which are affected by, by the change and, and, and let them to be reprioritized and changed in the next iteration? Or you would still finalize it and then adapt it in the next iteration? So if, as soon as you realize that the component in the form, how it is designed originally, is not anymore usable, do you park it? You, you, you don't touch it till the end of iteration or, or what's happening with it? So, so sometimes inevitably that, that happens where you realize you, you can't complete an item as it was intended or, or it won't be functional. So that the idea in Agile is, you know, functional software, you, you want working software. So if it cannot work as designed, um, sometimes you will remove an item from the, the current sprint, uh, a, a certain number of points, uh, if you need to to add points in order to to get that piece of um, software working, sometimes you can do a, a swap out like that. Um, if you discuss with the team and there's a choice like that, sometimes it's, a certain item may need to extend to to the next sprint where that item will not be demonstrated in the given sprint. So there there can be multiple ways to cover something like that. It, it isn't something that you would want to happen with regularity. And I, I, I'm always curious about those scenarios. Do you keep extra backlog or are you open, for example, if you need to park some items, it, it mean, I would assume that it doesn't mean that you deliver less. Do you have extra backlog from which you are open to take also within the iteration in case that you see that some of the components you will not uh, deliver or or how, how how this is handled because sometimes whenever the change is coming in i assume that you need to park the, the specific module especially sometimes it is not only about the development and applying the changes but sometimes customers says that i don't know or for example this lady or this man went for a vacation and they will be back in two weeks so do you when planning the iteration, do you have, are you planning like 120% to deliver or something like that? How do you handle this part? So you, you definitely, so regarding a vacation time, you would plan for people's vacation. So you would definitely reduce, you know, the, the point capacity based on people not being available or knowing they, they would need to, to commit time elsewhere. The hope would be that people would be full-time committed to that project. That's always ideal, that they would be a, a full-time team. That's always the ideal. Reality is that, that that's not always the case, but it's always ideal to have the, the team fully committed to, to a single um, product, uh, all working together. So if someone's going to be out, um, you would reduce the, the number of points that the team commits to for that given iteration. Uh, and uh, it is definitely something that's reasonable to, to commit a certain number of points for fixing bugs, um, depending on where you're at in the cycle. You know, definitely as you get closer and closer to a, a full production release, that would be expected that the number of points that would be reserved um, likely for, for bugs would be higher and higher. 
And if you have additional capacity, it is perfectly fine for the team to choose to pull in additional items based on that priority that's given. Uh, the product owner would have given the, the certain list and they can definitely grab more things um, as they see fit. If they've got, you know, they're, they're toward the end of the release and they've completed everything that's there, for sure pull more items in. Maybe a tricky question, but does the team have a choice to don't pull the items? So in case that you are like, you are earlier in, in delivery, can you have like half a day or one day rest or how, how usually these things happen? Or whenever you realize that, okay, we are done with the original part, we pull in some items. They would be expected to do things. Um, so they, they would, they, it is the team's choice. They, they would be training. There would be, there would be something that the team would, would self-manage. They could be doing, um, other things for sure. They could be, there could be some type of reward type thing that the team would be self-managed. So it, it should be up to them. Um, that there could definitely be rewards. There could be some type of training activity. Um, there could be some type of experimentation for a future release. Experimentation should be definitely built in. You want, again, a fast failure type thing. There could be something that, um, you know, it could be choice A or B in the future that has never been tried before. You welcome that. You want one of those to fail very early on in a small amount of time, something you don't spend, you know, weeks or months on in the future that has excessive cost, but something that's failed at very quickly that's encouraged definitely in agile so you still have a high motivation to finish earlier the iteration or the scope of iteration because then you have time for play around i would say but this whole play around is still within the project so you can test those different scenarios uh go for exploring and discovery of 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 the technology and those a b testing or a b scenario etc to contribute even more to the product itself right it could be a full iteration dedicated to an experiment. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be the scenario of just finishing a, an iteration early. So, so you know, it, it doesn't have to be a, a tiny amount of time, uh, you know, dedicated. It it could definitely be more significant than than tiny bits here and there. Got it. Got it. Good. And moving on, um, what are the disadvantages of this methodology? We we highlight quite well what works in agile what doesn't work or what are the disadvantages which you face in in your experience so it does take some training and it's definitely not a a, a one-shot type of thing um, you do want to learn whatever given philosophy is chosen um, and it's ongoing um, agile is about continuous improvement it's not go to agile 101 and you're done it it is built into every release. Not only are you learning about the software once, but you want to get better and better at agile. Uh, the team should get better that, you know, the team specifically about that product, but part of agile is cross training um, people being able to perhaps do multiple roles, getting better and better at the agile methodology. Um, you also definitely need leadership alignment. It's not something that just the team does. Your leaders need to be supportive um, the organization mindset needs to change. It's not just that the team does agile. Your leaders need to be supportive of the team being an agile team. That means enabling the team, being supportive and trusting of product owners, of the team, of allowing the team to self-manage, of allowing the team to fail fast, to experiment, to have rewards, to self-manage, period. Um, managers may not be comfortable with allowing the team to take the reins to do those things. 
they need to be comfortable with those concepts and ideas and what the benefits are. Uh, they won't be perfectly comfortable with all of those concepts without some understanding and knowledge of the, the benefits and what all of those things lead to. Um, so that, they're going to need training and, and understanding and uh, be led along with everybody else about the, the philosophies and the long-term benefits also. So there is definitely organizational change and some, some transformation from leadership down, not just with the Agile team. It can be uh, difficult to, to scale. Uh, it's not just that the small team, it, it you know, it, some of the, the more recent philosophies like scaled Agile framework safe, um, they can be a little bit more complicated. That can require some wider training and even more organizational understanding particular terms and philosophies that, you know, that, that can be a, definitely a larger training effort where you, you have to bring folks in and, uh, could be a larger undertaking for sure. Got it. And also talking of management alignment, if I am new to Agile, if or or we are to pitch the methodology to to a management who didn't work back in the past with Agile, what are the things we need to highlight for them? And especially probably here, I would not rush only with selling it, saying like, okay, the faster feedback, etc. But what are the things they need to be prepared in terms of, I wouldn't say the negative, but more challenging the traditional mindset things. What would be very different to what they get used to in waterfall or in other words, predictive project management? The idea of starting, uh, not sitting back and planning for long periods of time first, that that's very different. Um, not having lots and lots of documentation and planning early on can be a little uncomfortable. That can also swing too far. Agile does not mean just go start without documentation. That can very much swing too far, and it, it, it doesn't mean that. It means just enough documentation, and, and there's a balance. So you want to make sure that you have an appropriate amount where your developers have enough that they feel comfortable in building the right thing. Um, if they don't have enough, that can be quite the problem also. Uh, if they're building stuff and it's not the right thing, they, they obviously didn't have a, enough documentation to, to go into the right direction. Um, so that can be very odd uh, to, to start quickly without um, you know the, this lengthy process in place. Enabling a team to start doing a lot of things without management direction, that can be an uncomfortable process. So the idea of stepping back um, and letting the team do their thing without uh, you saying, okay, you start the meeting and you do this and you do that, that that's very odd. A, a scrum master typically is supposed to step back in a, a daily scrum and not talk. I don't think you even see that much these days at all. I, I, traditionally, uh I don't see it much. That can be very uncomfortable. So it's it's very different than what a lot of managers are used to. Yeah, so you you need to be ready to shift more accountability and responsibility towards team and also control, right? So you need to give away yes. at certain point, you need to give away control or let team organize themselves and, and, and be a little bit more flexible with trusting them on the end of iteration that they will come up with what you expect and still more or less, right? So it is not always like 100% right. what we expected, but but having the short iteration 
allows you to exchange this feedback quite frequently, right? Right. And here also still staying with these advantages of Agile, I'm curious, did you have also negative experience with that? Like when we were preparing for this episode recording, you mentioned that you can talk about Agile for days, right? And and, and I see you're very enthusiastic about this this methodology and, and it is it is great. But also as with any other thing, not, not, nothing, nothing is perfect, yeah? And I'm curious, did you have any negative experience with the methodology or, or particular... Uh, project delivery uh, situations with with Agile? I have, and I, I it's tended to be um, when organizations call themselves Agile and when you actually look at what they've implemented, they're really not. Um, where the team may be Agile, they, they may have a meeting called a Scrum, um, but it's the, the same meeting that they held before. They, they just call it the Scrum meeting on the invite. Um, it's the same thing that they, they used to do, that the organizational mindset is not agile at all, that the manager goes in and says, all right, you, you know, what did you do yesterday? That's not really a scrum, uh, where the organizational mindset really did not, is not trusting of the individuals that the individuals are not self-organizing. The individuals really didn't get enabled to do much of anything. It's the same old, same old. Um, it just happens to be that they want something released every few weeks. That's the difference. That That's not really agile. Um, that's just frequent releases. Um, so, so that's not that the agile methodology releasing something every few weeks is just releasing something every few weeks. That, that is not the agile methodology. Um, that that's something different entirely. So that's not really successful agile. Um, Agile is a, a mindset. It is yielding to to see team collaboration. It is stepping back and waiting to see which member of the development team is going to, to speak first about what they're doing, to see them solve problems, to to see them talk about experimenting and about which direction they may go for the next release, to see the, the product manager really stepping up about what's most valuable in the next release and see um, them really empowered to talk about what's of most value and without them having to go ask permission for priority, those types of things. Got it. And speaking of agile, is there any differences in like traditional software development and RPA development? Are there any RPA specifics, RPA specific aspects, which you apply when, when using Agile methodology. So there are. I, I would say in general, RPA is a, a bit of a, a different project in that the requirements are very specific. RPA needs a, a very specific set of instructions. So every keystroke, every mouse click, um, the robot needs to know because it needs to mimic the exact set of steps that the the human typically goes through. So has to be very exact. Um, the typical set of software requirements usually aren't as precise as those requirements. So I think uh, in general, um, software requirements aren't nearly as specific as RPA requirements in general. So so on the whole, you have to be a, quite more detailed than you typically would have to be. So um, 
that really makes it difficult to be, you know, to less to give less documentation um, like you, you normally could in Agile. However, um, I think where you can be more Agile is um, really in a couple of places. So, so first in error handling, um, what I like to do is um, test-driven development, which is not necessarily a, a feature of Agile per se, but it incorporates Agile philosophies. So test-driven development is writing a test before you write the code itself. So if I'm going to, to develop a, a certain feature or a certain process, before I write one line of code or, or develop anything, I sit and think, how am I going to test this piece alone, not in the midst of all of this process, but this one piece by itself, how am I going to test that just this works um, and not have to test it in the middle of the, the whole process? So um, test this alone. I write that test before I write the code. So I know, yes or no, this piece and this piece alone works. Um, so that that's the philosophy of test-driven development. Incorporating that uh, and knowing that yes or no, this piece works first, that definitely incorporates agile principles and values, that that specific requirement itself. Um, so here, here we are speaking mm -hmm. about... I know it as a unit testing, particularly for mm -hmm. for the small piece of late small pieces of code. Later we will get also to the integration testing, etc. But here doesn't mean that in your projects one of the prerequisites is that whenever you start developing the component, you start with creation of unit test module or mm -hmm. unit test folder with all the prerequisites files or even maybe sometimes hard coding values because like for i think that this is completely right thing for for unit testing right that you mm -hmm. pre prepare for you some some arguments and not only for the testing itself but also for later reusability this is what we encounter quite often in our projects that for example you develop the module you tested it somehow if you don't create the unit test and then you want this module to be reused you Leave it there in a folder, but if someone touch it in three, six, five months, whatever, no one knows like in what place you were you were running it or with what parameters you were running, with what parameters it was failing, with what parameters it was passing. So I really share this experience with you. We are doing very similar thing. We are for any module we develop, we create a unit test folder in which we leave all necessary parameters which would allow any developer later to just plug in and test it without going to business and say, could you pass me a customer number or, or, or credit na a credit order number or whatever, just for me to try the model, right? So you, you leave right. all these things there for a long time, or not only for testing purposes, but also for reusability and, and review later, right? Right. Right, and I have same thing. I have a, a file build that follows the same name as as whatever process I'm building. So it's a, a standard that's built before I even build that that given process. So uh, very easy to follow. Built before I even start, at where I I have thought through. I know what the the arguments are going to be. That type of thing. So it's a pretty straightforward. So so that for sure. Another thing that I have. Um, the, that I incorporated to the process, uh, for a couple of weeks, typically that the users, uh, as far as error handling, 
they normally don't think of errors in the way that RPA developers think of errors. So, um, or exceptions, whenever they have come up with the, the list of, of the, how the process works, step one, step two, step three, they don't think about a pop-up, you know, or, you know, a maintenance window on Friday night warning that comes up every three months or those types of things that, that they just press yes, because they're, they're humans and that's easy. Um, I have them for a couple of weeks, note any anomaly, good or bad, um, but keep an eye out and take a screenshot and, and keep a, an ongoing document. But, you know, a couple of people in the, the department keep an ongoing eye out for anything uh, of that nature and send to me. So those types of things really are creating a backlog for us of potential exceptions, errors, that type of thing that then later on in the process, uh, a product owner could look at uh, and evaluate how frequently do these types of things occur? Will this, uh, you know, is this something that may stop the bot in the future? And this unhandled pop-up or or these types of issues, but likely are things that they would never consider an error because it's just a little box that, of course, they just click it when it comes up every Friday night that they never thought of before, those types of things. So so error handling for sure are, is one of those things that just it ends up creating a backlog that inevitably that there are things that users are just not going to think of as errors that will be uh, future issues for sure that that would never make it to that instruction set, that that standard instruction set. Got so, it. And, so, and here, sure. got it. And here, as, as you describe, like definitely customer would appreciate realizing this pop-up or, or whatever else uh, there is as an issue, realizing after one or two weeks iteration, but not after three or six months of, of, of development. Yeah. Right. And right. Here question would be, do you also, if, if you finish 80% of the process within the first iteration, you still know that you are to build additional scenarios which are not yet handled, which you leave for the second iteration. Would you let the process run in production during the first iteration or you let it run in test system? But question is, would you let it run while knowing that it is 80 or 70% complete? So that's really for, for the, the product owner to decide. It depends. So in the case, you know, my first bot where it was hospice patients that and them getting bedside care as fast as was possible, that was something that had to be working 100% of the time. Definitely not. In the case of some other process where it working most of the time was just fine, Perhaps, perhaps, yes, and it would be fine and and humans could pick up the rest. So it just depends on the scenario. And that's really for, for, you know, the team to decide totally depends on the type of process and the type of circumstance. Got it. Got it. Okay. We are getting to to the second part or or maybe closer to the end of, of, of this episode. And I would like to ask you to define the agile. So what are the core principles and how would you define it in, in, in um, several sentences? Like what are the aspects of, of Agile? What you were mentioning before also saying that, for example, that customer thinks that, okay, they do iteration and they are already Agile or they do, um, I don't know, they are small team, so they are already Agile or, or they let it fail every second day, so they're already Agile. So maybe we can speak about 
what are the criteria to characterize it? Like what what is agile? How do we understand that we are agile? Sure. So so back in 2001, uh, there was an Agile Manifesto created. So for anyone that wants to, to read that, it is out on the internet at agilemanifesto.org. And there were a few core philosophies that were proposed as central above any other rule. So they are individuals and interactions over processes and tools, working software over comprehensive documentation, customer collaboration over contract negotiation and responding to change over following a plan. That's it. Everything else is, you know, a a philosophy based on those core principles. Yeah. And everything else is also discussable. As you say, that there are also different um, sub methodologies or different directions or streams of agile right and 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 there are deviations but i would definitely also recommend to visit the page it it is really in nice and short manner summarizing what what the agile is and what tracy just just mentioned for us all right and then talking of maybe what agile is not or i would like to speak with you about what are the often myths you see when when facing customers or overall reading about the agile so what are the often myths about the delivery methodology itself so i think one of the the items that i hear most often is that that agile projects are faster that oh we're going agile so we can get this work done faster it's not that the, the project will be done any faster. It's that the, the end result will be of higher value than it would be otherwise. So it's not that, you know, it, it's going to be done any sooner than a waterfall project. Um, that's not what it's about. It's about the, the value of that end result. So, so it won't necessarily be done faster. Another is that um, agile projects don't really need documentation. So you, you do need documentation. You need requirements. Uh, they may be uh, a lot less um, bulky. You don't need nearly the extensive requirements that a, a waterfall project typically does. You need just enough. The team decides what that just enough is. And there's some back and forth. You, you determine um, with the team that the developer and the, the analyst together decide what is just enough. Uh, another is that um, Agile can't really scale beyond that tiny team. Um, definitely, we're seeing that not it is not true these days uh, with the Safe framework, the Scaled Agile framework. Uh, there's some others as well, but that Agile is now able to grow beyond that single team and scale. Um, where you're seeing now product teams, trains, uh, and whole companies go agile, um, where it can, a whole org can be completely agile and you take away the concept of projects really and, and move to, to products or departments that are agile focused and that are just continuous. So, so that's not true anymore, really. And, and that agile is, is kind of an undisciplined, easy approach. So if you don't want to, to really, um, plan, then you just, you know, take a free-for-all agile approach. That's not the case either. Agile is a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of collaboration. It takes 
people focused on, you know, daily ownership of deliverables, um, focused on commitments. There's a lot of accountability. There's a lot of um, eyes on what your commitments are. There's a lot of demonstration that it really is a lot of work uh, and a lot of ownership for your, your team members. It's not at all the easy way out. There's a lot to it. So um, it's not the undisciplined approach whatsoever. Especially I like this point about agile project are not faster because I hear quite often when, when you know, like if, especially if you have internal competition, when another team comes in and say, okay, we can do it faster because we are agile. We don't need, you know, like we can just sit side by side with SME. We don't need to document anything, etc. We build the robot and bam, it's done like within a week or two, etc. And here, this is really important to understand that agile is not about faster, but about more precise. It is about getting this constant feedback, which would allow you on the end not to end up with a product which you planned three months ago or six months ago and without previous experience with, with planning similar projects, but it is methodology which allows you to achieve high value result even if you never did the similar things with just going, exploring trying, failing as well, and fixing while going, but it doesn't necessarily mean faster or it doesn't necessarily mean skip the documentation, especially as Tracy mentioned in RPA world, when you need to um, when you need to document all the steps to pass it later to developers, and not only for development, but also for um, so-called business contingency once the robot stops by some reason and you don't have any more people trained in the business you still want to be able to refer to documents and ask whoever saying here is your level 5 documentation or pdd or however you call it try to execute the steps and you still end up with with, with the given result yeah so documentation is also quite important here and i really appreciate tracy you you brought the, those those things because and and i wish some of my customers also heard that because it's really important to understand Agile is not about getting things faster, but mainly getting it more precise. And you described for us already kind of core criteria of Agile, which I don't think that will be much changing with the time. So those are the the, the ones you mentioned on the, on the manifesto for Agile. But... Still, I believe that there is some space for improvement. And if we had to dream a little bit about how do you see Agile as a methodology in another 15 years? Yeah. So if we imagine that we are now in the middle and we add another 15 years to, to this exciting journey, what do you see will be improving in, in, in the technology, in methodology itself? So I would love to see you know, continued focus on value. Um, value is the, the name of the game. So, so even more focus on value, better ways to, to calculate benefits, um, minus costs, but easier ways to, to calculate value and to discern value of items um, for priority sake in light of risk. So value is the name of the game. Uh, if people could calculate value item by item, I, I think priority would be so much easier in uh, business today. So value uh, just across the, the project management spectrum is, is the name of the game um, in project prioritization these days, for sure. 
So organizational change management, it's so important in RPA. I, I think companies forget. They forget that people are scared of the idea of robots, that they're sitting in their chairs thinking, I may lose my job. Um, in the end, the, the studies show that people are happier once RPA is incorporated. If someone came up to you and said, Hey, would you, you love, uh, for us to, to take over automating your, your timesheet or, or this terrible expense report that you do every week? People would say, yes, please do. Um, but if they say, Hey, you know, let, let's just bring in RPA and people don't understand it or the impact, they're scared. But a little time spent on organizational change management, um, is so worthwhile. So incorporating organizational change management, assessing the, the impact, um, uh, of anything brought in. So, so RPA projects, agile projects in general, ensuring that the organization knows what is happening, um, from their perspective of, of each individual, what's in it for them, the, the perspective of the stakeholders that increases the likelihood of that change being well received. Um, so, so that has been uh, a, Big feature of project management, the incorporation of OCM that the past 10 years or so, I think that um, Agile would be well served to, to really focus on that communication over the next few years. Um, and then continuing to mature the scalability, um, making it simpler, um, you know, making the the terms more well-known. Um, there's so many, you know, trains and pigs and chickens and people get a little scared about hearing all the, the weird um, verbiage and it can be a little scary from the outside uh, that some of the, the diagrams can be a little scary. It can be a little overwhelming um, when people see it and they, they can want to run away. So um, love to see Agile grow and maybe it, it'd be a, a little less scary. Maybe the, the barrier of, of entry um, be a little less to, to the idea of, of growing Agile in an organization. And I, I'd love to see um, Agile PMOs grow, that the concept of those um, grow more, see, see more of those where PMOs are supporting lean and agile practices. They're coordinating things. Um, they're removing impediments and see more and more of those proliferate where that's not an uncommon concept where PMOs are not this negative thing, but a supportive environment. Um, not this, you know, negative reporting factory barrier, you know, that, that organizations, um, think of negatively but uh, something that really supports the idea of Agile and the enterprise that, that people look to for helping uh, them innovate and move things forward. Got it. Thank you very much, Tracy. And we are getting to the last point of our episode, and this is quite traditional already to our listeners. I use always to ask, what are five do's of out of best practices what are the things you would like to encourage people doing while using agile methodology as well as later the following question would be what are five do's to do if you want to properly screw it up or in other words what are the five don'ts right so what are five do's and don'ts in agile methodology so first, always keep the focus on, on where it should be, the, the value to the customer. Second, 
uh, definitely empower your agile teams. You, you want them to self-manage and handle their own issues or, or it's not worth doing agile in the first place if you're not going to, to yield that power to the team. So um, in agile third, we, we definitely need to expect the senior leadership to, to support and model agile. If they want to see the benefits of agile, they've got to go all in. Uh, fourth, Plan to improve continuously. Training is not a one-time thing. Uh, start agile training and expect to, to never stop. So improve again and again with every cycle. And then fifth, allow the team the opportunity to experiment uh, and fail fast. Never look at failing fast as a negative. Always consider that to be something um, that is a, a great thing that Failing after a long period of time is, is a, a really bad thing, never failing fast. So those yeah. are the, my five do's. Feels feels great after hearing those. And, and I think that it would make, especially the development or delivery team, feeling much more comfortable in their role and in, in, within their scope of delivery. When you have this trust, when you have this freedom to experiment, to have it, have trust from the management yes support from the management and 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 believe into the thing that you you are doing right things and you can always get a feedback in a short iteration so those are really great ones and let's get to opposite so five don'ts so so don't you you can't have an agile team that is just made of it if you don't have collaboration between the business and it so a product owner from the business uh, or someone representing the, the customer in that, that product owner role, then, then that is not an agile team that is going to work. You need someone that really understands value to the customer. So a, a really great business collaborator. But second, you can't have an agile team of 30 or 40 people. That, that does not work. You've got to have an appropriately sized team, typically less than 10. Otherwise, it's just far too large to, to, to function. Third, uh, you, you can't expect that the full team is going to understand everything 100% after their first Agile training. Some people t will take a little longer. Some people will need encouragement from the, the Scrum Master thereafter. Everyone will need more than one training. So expect to train throughout. Um, the company will need to provide trainings. Uh, everyone will need to continuously train thereafter, um, both individually and company supported. Uh, fourth, uh, don't assume that agile means agile. If you guys call a, a meeting a scrum, it, it doesn't evaluate the practices uh, on your team and, you know, evaluate how you guys are, are supporting those methodologies. Look at the agile manifesto and look at those core values to evaluate whether or not you're really practicing agile methodologies or not. And then five, uh, never prevent teams from experimenting. Uh, if you find that you're not willing to allow teams some time to experiment, then really evaluate why that is. Uh, if they can't have an opportunity to fail fast, then they'll end up failing long-term at some point uh, in a bigger way, uh, in a much more expensive way. So uh, figure out why that is. It, it, it doesn't make sense in an agile world. 
Correct. And this is what I think is very appreciated by developers again that and sometimes it can be even the reason for leaving company if you are just you have to do what you say to do and you don't have any space for creativity, space for freedom in those testing, experimenting, trying new things, you know, plugging it in, etc. So that's that's definitely very cri- uh, critical here and I think that agile gives more freedom and more empowerment to final delivery team but not only to a management who on the end would also appreciate it it is a change of mindset yeah because in traditional management you tend to control right and tend to go and look after everything and tell everyone how to do etc but as a manager also and here tracy probably you you could agree with this that as a manager manager you would also appreciate accountability within a team not that all the accountability is just with you and you are the only one who takes all the responsibility and everything yeah you are still accountable that's right but you spread the responsibility and you spread this encouragement of others to deliver it as a as one product together but not as an achievement of, of the great manager well controlling and handling the people Right. For sure. It's a, always a, a team effort in Agile. It's never a one person that the scrum master is, is there to stand in the, the shadows and support as needed, but uh, stands back and allows the team to shine. Good. Tracy, that's it. I highly appreciate this episode and, and your involvement. I think that we discussed quite a lot of valuable information for our audience. I would also leave all the materials which we discussed during this episode on our website so they would be able to go and click through the websites we have mentioned or I would also add some visuals which are representing Agile quite well. So all of those would be they would be able to find on our website and for now trace again i just want to thank you for your contribution and looking forward to have another discussion with you i enjoyed it thank you thank you that's it bye 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 that's it for today i hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new don't forget to visit our web automationimpact.io and share this episode on social media it helps to grow and develop the podcast Thank you.